Welcome to The Thing About Austin, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan. And I'm Diane. And this episode, we're talking about the map puzzle in Mansfield Park. We are headed to Mansfield Park for this episode. The scene in question occurs very early in the novel after Fanny has arrived at Mansfield. She is still getting settled in and has started her formal education. And Julia and Mariah Bertram are not impressed with their cousin. The way that they go about this is really not quite so lovely. Fanny could read, work, and write, but she had been taught nothing more, and her cousins found her ignorant of many things with which they had been long familiar. They thought her prodigiously stupid, and for the first two or three weeks, were continually bringing some fresh report of it into the drawing room. Dear Mama, only think, my cousin cannot put the map of Europe together. Or, my cousin cannot tell the principal rivers in Russia. Or, she never heard of Asia Minor. And then just a few moments later, did you ever hear anything so stupid? So really, really lovely, really trying to make Fanny feel right at home. It's very welcoming. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. So the map that the Bertram sisters are referring to is a dissecting puzzle, which was a commercial invention from the mid-1700s that became mainstream as an educational toy by the end of the 18th century. According to Jill Sheffrin's article, Make it a pleasure and not a task. Educational games for children in Georgian England. She says... Dissected puzzles were probably invented by John Spilsbury, although there are tantalizing references to other possible puzzle makers in the early 1760s. Spilsbury was an engraver and map maker who had been apprenticed to Thomas Jeffries, cartographer and geographer to the king. I would like that title, cartographer to the king, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So he had some fancy credentials before he started working on commercializing dissecting puzzles. And as part of his advertising, he described himself as, quote, engraver and map dissector in wood in order to facilitate the teaching of geography. So a really fun line to put on his business card. (laughs) Just hands that off to the king, Mm -hmm. you know, map dissector. I love that. These puzzles that he was making were pretty much what they sound like. They were paper maps mounted on wood And then the map would be cut out along country or political borders. The sea or the ocean, however, would be cut out at random. You know, keep things exciting. Mm -hmm. Never know what's going to happen out there in the ocean. You know, it's like when you sit down to do a jigsaw puzzle and you're like, oh, I've got this whole section that's all one color. You know, you always know that's going to take you forever (laughs) for my fellow puzzle enthusiasts out there. (laughs) According to Sheffrin, early puzzles were, quote, often beautiful pieces of craftsmanship, engraved, hand-colored, carefully mounted, folded, cut, or otherwise assembled, and very expensive. The wooden boxes for the puzzles were made from mahogany or cedar, and the puzzles themselves backed with thin mahogany board. This is not the $10 puzzle that you're picking up at your local drugstore before you head out on your beach vacation. Yeah, there is some craft going into this into this kind of puzzle making. 
And yet, Spilsbury also offered more economical versions of his puzzles. Sheffrin explains, quote, His puzzles were sold in square oak boxes with sliding lids or, more economically, in chip boxes without the oceans. <laughs> Gonna save money on those oceans. And my guess is the Bertrams obviously had a very fancy version. They oh, had yeah. oceans in their puzzles. Well, and, and so it becomes fairly obvious that these puzzles were part of children's basic education and a way of understanding geography. Both boys and girls were taught with these early toys, and usually under the supervision of a nanny, a governess, a mother. We get a sense in Mansfield Park that Fanny and the Bertram sisters are accessing these toys as part of their schooling with Miss Lee, their governess. We know it wasn't while they were playing under the supervision of Lady Bertram, since Austin explicitly tells us, to the education of her daughters, Lady Bertram paid not the smallest attention. Lady Bertram also could not tell you the principal rivers in Russia, so I don't know why Julia and Mariah are complaining to her. Oh, I think you are correct. <laughs> I mean, I also could not tell you the principal rivers in Russia, so <laughs> I'm not judging. This is true. I am also guilty, yes. Sheffrin goes on to point out that dissected puzzles also began to expand their purview as educational tools. So, for example, in 1787, William Darlington and Charles Dilley published the, quote, earliest surviving historical dissected puzzle, engravings for teaching the elements of English history and chronology after the manner of dissected maps for teaching geography. That doesn't sound like a very exciting toy name, but, you know, apparently it communicates what it needs to. <laughs> it could have used a little bit of marketing. I feel like it would be difficult to really give that the wow factor in your sort of like Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> commercial. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. However, you know, it still got purchased. <laughs> and according to Sheffrin, the puzzle consisted of rectangles, each with a medallion portrait of one of the 32 monarchs represented, up to George II, and facts about each printed below. The completed puzzle displays the monarchs in historical succession. So in the context of Austen's novel, it is possible that the Bertrams also have one of these historical puzzles since a little after the passage we read at the top of the episode, one of the Bertrams also points out, I cannot remember the time when I did not know a great deal that she has not the least notion of yet. How long ago it is, aunt, since we used to repeat the chronological order of the kings of England, with the dates of their accession, and most of the principal events of their reigns. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> While she is talking about reciting these dates and details about the British monarchy, it's feasible that they were reciting this information based on knowledge they gained from a historical puzzle. I mean, it makes a lot of sense considering that a puzzle that did exactly that was in existence. Yeah, yeah. So one of the standout details to me about these puzzles, especially as playthings for young children in England, is the way they become tools of empire. For example, in her article, Puzzling Empire, Early Puzzles and Dissected Maps as Imperial Heuristics, Megan A. Norcia writes, quote, These playthings can also be understood as a means of transmitting social and political geography and imperial mores to the very youngest British citizens. Though the puzzle manufacturers may have held more ambivalent ideas about imperialism, 
and may not have intended their products to serve as imperial propaganda, these artifacts illustrate the acculturative process through which children would have become familiar with the idea of their empire. And in Mansfield Park, a novel that overtly connects the Bertrams with colonialism and empire with Sir Thomas's plantation in Antigua, it's almost impossible not to see those larger implications. Even the young girls are already picking up on the fact that knowledge of geography, like the map of Europe, the rivers in Russia, and knowledge of what is currently Anatolia or the region of Turkey translates to power. And it's really interesting that they even go on to point out to f- that Fanny's worldview really only encompasses her known sphere, which is at this point in her education, that's basically Portsmouth and the Isle of Wight. And they consider this a really significant failing, since it means Fanny does not know, quote, which way she would go to get to Ireland. And then they go on to say, quote, she said she should cross to the Isle of Wight. She thinks of nothing but the Isle of Wight, and she calls it the island, as if there were no other island in the world. They're just really baffled that her worldview is just within her known sphere. It's, it's kind of baffling to them. So they are pointing out that Fanny doesn't even know how to get to Ireland, something that would have been an important point of reference since the Act of Union in 1800 created the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, binding Ireland to Great Britain in a way that dissolved the Irish Parliament and would have been relevant political context for Austen's novel. And Norsha goes on to point out that these connections between the puzzles and empire are more than just tenuous literary connections. It's not just, you know, in my head that this connection exists. She says, quote, the resonance between puzzles and imperialism is not only rhetorical and metaphorical, but actual. The puzzle was born in the same workshops as its more formal sibling, the imperial map. And so now we are going to take a bit of a cartographical detour for a moment (laughs) to talk about some of the interesting connections between mapping and Austin. Mapping was going through something of a technical renaissance in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. And ordnance surveys became a really overt outcome of these innovations. The ordnance survey mapped Hampshire, where Austin lived for most of her life, around 1810, when the first ordnance map of the area was published. And Austin published Mansfield Park only four years after this Hampshire mapping. Yeah, I think it's very easy to deduce that she was aware of the Royal Engineers and their work while she was drafting Mansfield Park. In a letter dated 24 January 1813, Austin writes to her sister that Captain Charles William Paisley of the Royal Engineers is, quote, the first soldier I ever sighed for. I've always loved that quote. <laughs> and her sighs are in admiration of his, of his work called An Essay on the Military Policy and Institutions of the British Empire, which was published in 1810. And she's telling Cassandra that it's written with extraordinary force and spirit. In this text, Paisley makes frequent allusion to the role of maps in constructing Britain's imperial institutions. He also makes it clear that he views the private spaces of home and community as broader representations of the nation as a whole. 
So when Austin also informs her sister in the same letter that she is still making alterations to the manuscript of Mansell Park, it seems cartography is on Austin's mind. So, so let's kind of talk about this puzzle and map from the scene that we talked about at the top of the episode. And we've talked a little bit about the traditional geographical implications of the scene, right? You know, do we know where the rivers are in Russia? But there's also some fascinating metaphorical undercurrents going on here as well. And these are all centered around the use of the term puzzle. According to Norsha, quote, the activity of puzzling grew out of what Michel Foucault has identified as an 18th century desire to tabulate, catalog, classify, and order the world into meaningful hierarchies. Writers relied on the metaphor of finding meaning through the act of puzzling in order to explain their difficulties in finding designs, patterns, or solutions to problems in their lives. And so we see that concept of puzzling and mapping becoming a social project here in Mansfield Park. Right. So that means that we're kind of moving into this part where they're kind of wondering where Fanny fits in their social sphere. They're trying to categorize her. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, where does she fit? So, yeah, when she first arrives, the Bertram sisters, quote, take a full survey of her face and frock. And I think the use of survey in this moment is really significant because it's suggesting that Julia and Mariah not only conduct a thorough examination of like the visuals, right? They're saying, okay, what do we think about, you know, how much her frock costs, that sort of thing. But they're also performing kind of metaphorical surveys, like a cartographic survey of where she fits here. So, you know, how do we take all of this data and put her on a social map? And once they've kind of taken her dimensions, they treat them with, quote, easy indifference. And their dismissive reaction indicates that Fanny essentially poses no threat to their social position. And they map her out as like she doesn't belong inside their social sphere. She's just she's she's outside of this sphere of influence. And I would just like to point out that quite a bit from this episode and particularly the section that we're talking about here is actually pulled directly from one of Zan's articles. That is right. Our own Zan Kamek. <laughs> just want all the listeners to know that right now Zan is very uncomfortable. <laughs> so are we ready? <laughs> According to Zan Kamek's article, Fanny Price's Social Cartography in Mansfield Park, quote, just as the map of Europe requires the Bertram sisters to consider individual pieces of the puzzle in relation to a larger map, they also consider their cousin as a piece of their social map, puzzling over her position within that larger framework. So it is all about figuring out where does she exist in relation to us? And does she hold more power than we do? Yeah. So when the girls react to Fanny's mistake with the map puzzle, you know, and there's like, oh, did you hear anything so stupid? Aunt Norris decides, oh, this is a great moment to teach these girls about social cartography. You know, she's like, let's Let's really, like, punch down on Fanny, basically. So she says, quote, Pity Fanny's deficiency, reminding them. All things considered, I do not know whether it is not as well that it should be so. For, though you know, owing to me, your papa and mamma are so good as to bring her up with you, 
it is not at all necessary that she should be as accomplished as you are. On the contrary, it is much more desirable that there should be a difference. So she's really like leaning into this, this idea of difference. And she's pointing out that, okay, because she's different from you, that means Fanny is outside or peripheral to the Bertram social map. And Mrs. Norris sees this difference as a defining characteristic that should be cultivated, really. She's like, let's lean into this. Let's make sure we make that Fanny never gets to feel like she has a meaningful place at Mansfield. It's a really like, this is cold-blooded moment. On, I mean, Aunt Norris is always cold-blooded. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. This is exactly what you would expect from her and her character. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's also establishing her character for us as readers very early on, right? Yeah. That this is not just a woman who you know, kind of likes to play Lady of the Manor, sort of likes to insert herself. You know, she's not just like a busybody. She's also kind of cruel and a horrible person. Yeah, because she's she's teaching children to Mm -hmm. be awful to somebody else. So years later, in a similar scene, Mariah and Julia have the opportunity to test this particular social mapping of Fanny when the Crawfords arrive and ask, pray, is she out or is she not? I am puzzled. So again, that puzzling just keeps coming back. When we look at the scene, it's interesting to see how the Crawfords must put themselves on the social map of Mansfield. They come in and that's the first thing they want to know is who fits where. And in the beginning of the chapter, Austin's narrator takes care to describe each of the Crawfords, noting each person's reactions to the others. It's this really meticulously measured social survey of face and frock all over again. And the Crawfords definitely passed this initial inspection. It's like, okay, you belong on our map. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. And it's just that easy for them. They just walk in and they do this quick like scan and they're like, yep, you seem important enough to be on our map. And then the Crawfords then, of course, have to be like, okay, who who is on the map? Who are the players? And so when Mary Crawford says that she's puzzled about where Fanny fits in, she's essentially kind of repeating that first scan that Mariah and Julia did. And she's asking, is Fanny out or not out? Which really has, again, geographic undertones, right? This idea of, is she on the map? Is she not? And so this idea of coming out was obviously the social convention by which a young woman would make a formal entrance into society onto the map. And yet it's also here serving as a a spatial and geographic signifier And so this is something, this idea of out or not out is something that Barbara Britton Wenner in Prospects and Refuge in the Landscape of Jane Austen describes as, quote, a powerful social and geographical metaphor. So when Mary asks whether Fanny is out, what she actually wants to know is where Fanny is situated in the social topography of Mansfield. Does Fanny belong to the inner circle of people she needs to know, or is she ancillary to it? Is she important enough that Mary should be cultivating a relationship with her? Yeah. And at the end of the chapter, Mary finally declares Fanny is not out. And so it seems she has initially determined that Fanny, once again, does not directly affect Mansfield's social map. So puzzle solved. Poor Fanny. Mm -hmm. Honestly, this is rough. And one of the things that I think is really interesting while this is all going on, I mean, this is, it's heartbreaking for Fanny. She's always put outside of this social map. But what I do think is really interesting is that she's watching. 
she knows this map better than anybody else right. at Mansfield. And so her lesson at the very beginning of the novel where they're teaching her like, oh, you need to know how to do this map. It really becomes something that I think has this greater significance to her character for the rest of the time she's at Mansfield because she knows that map. She knows who the players are, what they're moving. And I think there's a reason that, you know, at the end of the novel, at the very, very end, they basically bring Fanny back and she's like, I do know the lay of the land and I do know what's going on here. And she kind of becomes really integral to Mansfield after that point because she has to kind of like put the map back together. But I think it really highlights Fanny's character, even though she's being put on the outside constantly in what we've discussed. It really does show that she's she's watching. She's paying attention. Well, and even that act of being put on the outside also just reveals so much about the other characters and their motivations in trying to sideline her and, you know, the way that the Crawfords react. Because, yeah, when they show up, it is very much like that's the first order of business. Do you belong with us? How do you belong with us? Like, you know, everybody trying to assess each other. Yeah. Well, and that idea of Fanny being on the map is sort of, you know, when we see later in the novel that essentially Crawford proposing to her is sort of like, well, if you say yes, you get to be fully with mm-hmm. us. Now you yeah. are you are part of it. You are a piece of this puzzle. You're on the map. And when she refuses, it's like, okay, you're so sidelined. We're we're sending you back to Portsmouth. Yeah, we're literally moving you out of our geographical sphere. And Fanny, again, that that kind of strong will that she has is like, I am not willing to do that. To do that, yeah. Take me back to Portsmouth. I'm okay with that. So it's, yeah, that that geographical removal is pretty significant, as well as her return. Yeah. Yeah. So puzzles and Mansfield Park, which I'm guessing for a lot of people never even occurred to them that that is what that line was referring to. So Yeah. And that is the service that we provide. Which we that provide, is, yes. That is why you came here. So <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> well... You can find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, thethingaboutaustin.com and email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com. Stay tuned for next episode where we will be talking about muslin with Dr. Hilary Davidson. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.